Lord wanted us to put down. He's going to come and preach for us this morning. Clap your hands. Give him a good welcome. Well, it's an honor and a privilege to be with you in service today. Uh, actually, I was thinking about that very thing that uh, my dad was just talking about. That uh, The last time I was reminiscing this morning as I was preparing, uh, just kind of going over my notes and praying and uh, talking to God. And uh, I was thinking about the last time that I had spoke at Landmark. I, I'm at Landmark, I'm so used to saying my own church's name. The last time that I had spoke at Grace. The set, and I started just thinking back to that time, to what the setting was. Obviously, the building was completely different. Uh, the building was so much smaller. It was on Groom Road. And, and just thinking of the circumstances, knowing a lot of the talking and talking with my, my parents and knowing just a lot of the things that were going on with the church and, and things that were, they were wanting to accomplish and wanting to, to possibly start a building program and, and just having so many aspirations and things that they thought that God had set them up for and set this church up for. And there seemed to be so many hurdles and, and there seemed to be so many tall mountains that at, at times seemed insurmountable. And so I think back to what the mindset was at that time, and then I'm standing here today, and I'm looking out over this congregation, looking at faces that I'm sad to say I don't even know who you are, but that's an awesome thing. That's an incredible thing because God is doing a mighty work. I'm, I'm listening to an awesome praise and worship team that is is incredible that God is using. I'm seeing a work that God is doing. And you know what it tells me? It tells me that the scripture that says that nothing is impossible with God, it still rings true today. It lets me know that God is still on the throne. So if you are here today and you came with a need, it doesn't matter if it's a small need, if it's a huge need, that anything is possible with God. Nothing is too great. There is no mountain that is too tall that is insurmountable for God. There is no storm that is too great that he can't walk into your situation and into your circumstance and say, peace, be still. You can see the hand of God all over this church, and I'm so thankful. I'm thankful to see that God is moving in Baton Rouge. As, he, as my dad said, God is definitely moving in Lafayette and Landmark. Uh, God is blessing us. We have been blessed with an opportunity to be student pastor um, under uh, Brother Langford, Brother and Sister Langford. They're awesome pastors. and so. But very thankful to be here today, believing that God's going to do an awesome work. The presence of God has already been here in a mighty way. But I'm believing that God has something that he started, but he hadn't quite finished yet. So I encourage you today, open your hearts, open your minds, and let God do what he wants to do here today. Today I'm reading from 2 Samuel chapter 4, and I'm also going to read from 2 Samuel chapter 9. I want to say today, once again, I'm so honored and privileged, Cassie and I are, to, to be here today. Very honored uh, that that my dad would surrender his pulpit to allow me to speak. I don't take it lightly, and I'm thankful for this opportunity to be with, with my parents. Uh, I'm thankful to, to see Dave, my, my cousins. It's a family thing, I guess, uh, going on up here, but I'm thankful to hear uh, Brother Dave and Brother Merrill. I know that God is using them in an awesome way, and you guys are lucky to have those guys. You guys are lucky to have such an awesome ministerial team, pastoral staff that is in tune with God and that is trying their best to follow the will of God for this church and this group of people. 2 Samuel chapter 4, beginning with verse 4. The Bible says, And Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son that was lame of his feet. And he was five years old when the tidings came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel. 
And his nurse took him up and fled. And it came to pass as she made haste to flee that he fell and became lame. And his name was Mephibosheth. Skipping to 2 Samuel chapter 9, beginning with verse 3. And I'm going I'm to skip around a little bit. I'm not going to read all of these texts, so, so bear with me. In verse 3 of 2 Samuel chapter 9, skipping to the second part of the verse, the, the scripture setting here is that David is now king of Israel. Let me give you a quick background. David is now king of Israel, and he has called, if there are any, any uh, people who remain who are of the lineage of Saul, who are of the family of Saul, are there anyone that remain out there in the, in the kingdom of Israel, bring them. And so he is speaking to a man named Ziba, who is a, a servant, a former servant of the house of Saul. So picking up in, in verse 3, the Bible says, And Ziba said unto the king, that being David, Jonathan hath yet a son, which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Machir. Skipping to verse 5, Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house. And then skipping to verse 13 of chapter 9, So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table. Today I have a confession to make before I give you my title. Um, I would love to lay claim to this title and this seed thought, but unfortunately I stole it. I was a thief and I stole it from... A guy that y'all have heard preach a few times, I stole it from your pastor. Uh, my title today, but uh, I believe that God has a word that he wants to deliver, and I pray that I can deliver that word and that lives will be touched here today. My title today is Born to Lose, But Born Again to Win. Born to Lose, But Born Again to Win. Bow your heads with me. God, we are so thankful for this opportunity to be here today. God, I'm thankful, Lord. I don't believe that it's just by chance that, that we happen to be here today, God, but I know that there's, there's a divine purpose for why each and every individual is in this place. And I know, Lord, that you want to do a work here today. I know that you want to touch lives, that you want lives to be changed. People that came into this place with going through circumstances and going through trials, Lord, you want them to leave change. You want them to leave a different person. So today I pray, Lord, that we would open our minds that we would tear down strongholds and walls that may inhibit the moving of the Holy Ghost. And I pray, God, that your will would be accomplished here today. In the name of Jesus, let's give him a hand clap of praise as you're seated. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For those of you who don't know me very well, again, as I said earlier, uh, some of you here today I recognize, and a lot of you here today I don't recognize. So some of you here know me very well. There's a lot of family in here that uh, my family that know me very well, probably better than I know myself, but a lot of you here today have not uh, either have not met me or don't know me too well. So there's one little bit of information that I want to share with you that, uh, that really, I, I don't want to say that it defines me just as a whole. I like to think that there's a little more to myself than this, but this is something that in, given the, the right situation, you will see come out in me, and that is that I hate to lose. I hate to lose. I, I don't want to think of myself as a bad sport. I really don't, although I've probably teetered on that before. I've kind of like got close to that line and towed that line very closely. But, and I've tried to rein it in, especially now that I'm a, a, a youth pastor and I know that I've got uh, younger people watching me and I've got to set an example. It's put the pressure on me to, to, you know, to, to defy some of these 
these feelings that come out in me. But nonetheless, I hate to lose. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if I'm playing basketball, if I'm playing football, if I'm playing volleyball. In Lafayette, volleyball may not be a big thing to you, but we're serious about volleyball in Lafayette. If you ever come to our gym, you will see a volleyball uh, game like you've never seen before. In fact, some of uh, Dave got firsthand. We, they put together a team and we played at a, a statewide youth rally in Tioga and they saw firsthand how serious we get about volleyball. And I'm right there in the thick of things. I'm right in the middle of it. That's right down my alley as far as being competitive. But I, I'll take it a step further. It doesn't have to be sports. It doesn't have to be football or basketball or volleyball or whatever. But, but I don't know if anyone's ever heard of that little app that's called Words with Friends. On, on the iPhone, okay? I, I take that one seriously, okay? Very serious about that. I don't like to lose, okay? I don't just play for fun, all right? I'm wanting to get the most points on every word. It's for real to me because I do not like to lose. And the list goes on and on and on of, of just no matter what it is, it's in my nature that I cannot stand to lose. I was thinking about when I was, when I was a younger child, and this has always been the case with me, okay? But I was thinking of some stories uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Dave and Steve and myself go way back, okay, way back. And we, we have so much history together, and we can get together and have not seen each other in two or three years and pick right back up where we left off and know the same inside jokes and all of the same stories. And we can say one word, and then all of us bust out laughing, and everyone standing around is like, what in the world are you talking about? But So I was thinking of some stories, and I, I remembered one story thinking about me being competitive and thinking about me never wanting to lose and always wanting to win. I can remember as, as teenagers, uh, I would go to Dave and Steve's house, and, and we would decide, you know what, let's go play a game of basketball. And, I, and for those of you who are familiar with basketball and familiar specifically with the game 21, okay, it's a game that you can play where you don't have to have an even number of teams. You don't have to have one-on-one -on -one or two-on-two -on -two or five-on-five. -five. You can have an, an uneven number. You can have an odd number. Three people is usually what, uh, what it takes to play 21. And then what you are is you're responsible for yourself and scoring your own points. And if we're playing with three, which the three of us uh, play, then, then if I have the ball, then if Dave and Steve are, are coming against me, they're both trying to stop me, and then each one of them individually is trying to get the ball so that they can score. Well, what it usually would turn into was a one-on-one -on -one game between me and Dave, and Steve would stand under the goal the whole time hollering, Rebound! Rebound! I had a drive to win. I had a passion to win, and, and Dave, much the same way. We were guarding each other and just trying to steal the ball, and the whole time Steve's yawning under the goal, trying to just wait for one of us to shoot so he can get the rebound and then just shoot it right back up. But, but that wasn't in my nature, okay? That was not in my nature because I hate to lose, so I'm trying so hard. I, I can remember uh, an, another time playing a, a computer game with, with Steve. And he actually got a little competitive with this one. We're playing a football game on the computer, and, and we're both trying to win. And, I'm, again, I'm taking it seriously. It's not, I'm not just playing for fun. So, so we're playing this game, and it gets down to the, the fourth quarter, and there's just a few minutes left, and I'm, I'm up by a few points. And Steve at the last minute scores, and I can remember this is a, it's a running joke. In fact, we got together with Steve last night, and he reminded me of this story. He reminded me of this because it has just become a running joke with us that I got so mad that I stood up and I took my hat off and I just threw it down on the ground. I'm like, come on, man, are you serious? A running joke between me and Steve because I hate to lose. I cannot stand to lose. And I dare say that in our world today, our world is, is driven by the concept and by the idea of winning. Vince Lombardi said, if winning isn't everything, then why do we keep score? 
Zig Ziglar said, happiness is not pleasure, it is victory. Napoleon said, he who fears being conquered is sure of defeat. H. Jackson Brown said, I never expect to lose. Even when I'm the underdog, I prepare, I still prepare a victory speech. Mia Hamm actually said it, said it best, and I say that with a little bit of sarcastic tone. Said, the person that said winning isn't everything never won anything. Now, I'm not saying that I necessarily subscribe to that, but these are examples, these quotes of, of famous people throughout the course of time. It's a, it's a perfect example of what the mindset is of our world today, what the mindset is of the world that we live in today and what drives our world, what drives every facet of our world, whether it be sports, whether it be your job, whether it be anything. Anything that we do, it is driven by winning. I think it's safe to say in the scripture text that I read from today that Mephibosheth was born to lose. Let's stop and review the story for just a minute. The setting at this time that Mephibosheth is born, the, Israel is in a, a state of transition. Israel is in a time where there is a, a transition from one king to another. And Saul had, had been king and of course his, he started a downward, downward spiral because of his mindset and because his priorities started to change and he fell out of the will of God. And so God, God had anointed David to be king and, and Saul was not happy with that. And, and, and that story goes on but with, with Saul trying to come after David and trying to, to lash out at him and ultimately kill him. And, and then David is the incumbent king and, and somewhere lost in the shuffle is Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth is just born just a, a, a normal baby. We see all these kids running around here. Just imagine that one of these children was Mephibosheth just being born so innocent, not knowing anything, not knowing what he was being born into, not knowing what the circumstances were, not knowing what his future held. It wasn't his fault that his grandfather hated David. It wasn't his fault that Saul had attempted to kill David quite a few times, had plotted to kill David. It wasn't Mephibosheth's fault as a very young child, his father and grandfather died, leaving him very vulnerable. Jonathan and Saul both died in battle, leaving Mephibosheth with really no one to, to care for him. It wasn't his fault that a nurse, as we read in the scripture text, snatched him up at, at the young age of five years old and in an attempt to help him and to flee from harm, dropped him, leaving him severely crippled for the rest of his life. It wasn't his fault. You can't really say that a five-year-old really had any say-so in any of that. I guess he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. I guess that Mephibosheth was just, just a little bit unlucky. How many of you can relate to this position? How many of you here today can say that you've been there before? How many of you here today can say that, you know, I, I was trying to do right. I was trying to, to maybe make the right decisions, but somehow things keep happening I dare say that there are many people here today that due to circumstances and situations that are out of your control, you were born into a life and you were born into a world where you were destined to lose. It's as though it was inevitable. I'm talking to someone here today that has tried just about everything to make your situation right. You've tried just about every avenue that you know. You've met with a counselor. You've consulted a doctor. You've met with a therapist. You've called on your family, your parents, your siblings, whoever it may be, grandparents. You've called on friends, close friends, trying to somehow sort through it and figure it out. You've tried to find it at the bottom of a bottle. You've tried various drugs to somehow, if you can't 
face it, you can maybe disconnect from it. I'm talking to someone here today that this may be your first time to ever darken a church door. This may be your first time, and maybe this, this time that you're here today, maybe it's a last resort. If you're here today and you've never had a relationship with God, let me tell you, you've come to the right place at the right time. All these other things that you've tried were not going to work, and you figured that out the hard way, but you are in the right place at the right time. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. You might say, well, hold, hold on a second now. Put the brakes on just for a minute, okay? And let's imagine you're talking to God. God, you don't understand. You, you don't understand what I've done. And God says, before you can say anything more, any man, any man at all. But God, you, you don't know where I've come from. You don't know what my family background is. And, and my family, none of them are serving God today. And, and ultimately, I'm going to end up in that spot. I just know I will. And God stops you and says, any man. But God, I don't really have much to offer. I don't have the uh, giftedness. And I look at other people and I see people on the platform and I see people, wonderful, beautiful people here. And, and I don't have what they have to offer. And God stops you and says, any man. But God, I don't feel like I'm worthy of it. The mistakes that I've made and the decisions that I've made and the, the wrong paths that I've gone down. And God stops and says, any man. You see, any man doesn't mean that you have to measure up to a certain standard. God isn't standing off in a corner somewhere and saying, come over here, hang on, hold on a second, come over here, let me measure up and let me kind of see, okay, let me talk it out a little bit and just see where you're coming from and who you are and, and, and you know, what you're about. That's not what God's about. He's not standing off trying to get you to measure up to something in order for, for you to, to accept him and for him to accept you. It doesn't mean that they're going to have to do a background check to make sure you don't have a, a criminal record or make sure that you hadn't made any mistakes. It doesn't mean that you'll have to sit down and do a formal interview with God and maybe you might qualify like you're doing a job interview all you have to do church today if you are an individual who is at the end of your road all you have to do is show up which you've already done and then come with an open heart come with an open mind with a hunger that says that that I'm willing I'm open I just want anything God that you have to offer and the Bible says that all things will become new in your life it doesn't say some things. It doesn't say that if you give your heart to God here today, that a few things, that most things will become new. The Bible says that all things become new. Let me tell you here today that when you've tried everything, when you've tried all that you can and you realize that, that every path that you have chose to go down somehow keeps ending abruptly and there's, you finally get to a point where you see that yellow dead end sign and you realize I've tried this path and now it's not leading anywhere when you've tried all these different things and you, you realize that, that nothing is going to change your situation, nothing is going to give you the answer that you've been looking for to the questions in your life, then let me direct you down a different path. Let me direct you down a path down one of these aisles to an altar where there is an almighty God who is waiting with open arms saying it doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what your situation is. It doesn't matter what you've done. All that matters is that there is a, a father who is waiting and he is desperately hoping that he can catch your eye and that he can see you start to take a step toward him. And if you do, I can promise you that when you start to step toward him and when you start to approach him and when you let him welcome you in with a warm embrace, you're going to see that your life is going to be changed forever. So if you're here today and you've never tried God, never tried God in your life, I encourage you, try him. As Meryl said, taste and see. And I promise you, when you taste 
of this that God has, you will never thirst again. But then here come the skeptics. Here come those who have been there and done that and, and, and been serving God for a long time. Okay, So I've addressed those that, that may be here today that maybe are, are new and maybe this is just the first few times that you've visited a church. But, but what about the ones who have been born and raised in it? Here come the skeptics. And I, I like to think that, that some of these skeptics would come up to me and say, Brother Marcus, let me, let me talk to you just for a minute. They come and put their arm around me and they say, uh, you know, you're only 32 years old. You're, you're really young. I mean, really young. In the prime of your life, Brother Marcus, you're only 32. I mean, you're, I, oh, I'm sorry, I got caught up on my notes here. I must have, I put that in my notes to make myself feel better. But I, I, someone who served God for a lot longer than me comes up and says, listen, l- listen, fellow, let me just talk to you a little bit. and Let me, let me tell you about, let, let me give you another side to the story. You're not quite old enough to understand just yet. You haven't served God for quite long enough to know the other side of the coin. You see, I was born again a long time ago. I heard this same sermon at some point, and I sat on a pew just like we are today, and I, I heard this, this same thing, and it was, it was wonderful. And I heard the, the scripture in Corinthians and talking about becoming a new creature, and I took it hook, line, and sinker, and, and sure, it was awesome, and, and, and everything became new in my life, and everything was awesome and incredible, and and it lasted for a little while, and then, then things started to change. Then things started to change in my life, and all of a sudden, things, things began to happen, and problems began to arise once again, and it was like I was reliving all the circumstances and, and things that I had faced before, before I became a new creature. And, and I'm, I'm starting to think to myself, well, well wait a minute, this is, this is not how it's supposed to be. You know, this is not what Corinthians said, and, and, and I, you know, everything's supposed to be okay, and, and more problems start to, started to arise, and I, I'd go through a trial, and just about the time I would get through that trial, then, then I would reach a, another one, and then a tragedy would hit, and, and then my, before I knew it, my life was turned inside out and upside down, and I didn't know which end was up. I didn't know where to turn. I didn't understand why I was going through these things, and, and before long, 2 Corinthians 517 started to get pushed further and further to the back of my mind and there were other things that were were plaguing my thoughts and and the storm I was going through the tragedy that hit me the trial I was facing all of these things started to get pushed to the forefront of my mind and it seemed that that's all I could I could focus on that's all I could think of sure being born again was great but after serving God for a number of years my mindset has changed a little bit now I see the other side of the story I see the other side of the coin. I've, I've really come full circle, and, and now, my, now my mind is just plagued with discouragement and depression and anxiety and doubt and fear, and all of these things have entered my mind, and, and there seems to be no room for anything else. It, it plagues my thoughts to the points that there's, there's no longer any room at all. Now, not only has 2 Corinthians got pushed to the back of my mind, it's just got completely pushed out of my mind because I've got all these other things going on, and, and, and you don't understand. With my mindset and what I'm going through, that scripture doesn't quite mean as much as what it did when I was first born again. Because I know too much now. I've gone through too much. And I see that that scripture isn't quite as great as what I thought it would be. Have you been there before? Have any of you been there before? Are you there right now? Are you there right now? I want to stop for a minute and I want to introduce uh, a concept. I'm going to kind of change gears here a little bit, but bear with me. I want to share with you something that I believe God gave to me 
that has helped me out in my walk with God, and I want to share it with you here today in the hopes that it will, it will help maybe some of you today. There's a guy by the name of Andy Stanley who is a, a pastor and a preacher. He also writes books. He's an incredible author. And there's a book, and some of you, maybe most of you have heard of it here today, called The Principle of the Path. Okay? Some of you may have read it. If you haven't read it, you need to read it because it is incredible. But before I talk about the concept that, that he talks about in this book, I want to share with you a story. So again, bear with me here. <clears throat> I want you to imagine with me, and I'm going to use myself and Cassie as, uh, as subjects for the story. This is going to be a, a fictitious story, but I want you to imagine with me that Cassie and I, we live in Lafayette, that, that we decided to plan a trip to Florida. We decided that we wanted to go to the beach, and so we start planning a trip. Now, believe it or not, and I know there's going to be a huge gasp that goes throughout this building, but I have never stepped foot in Florida. I have never been to the state of Florida before. It's terrible. I'm 32 years old, and I do have uh, some plan to go there one day. But let's imagine that Cassie and I are planning a trip because we probably will at some point. So, so we start making our plans, as all of you do when you start making vacation plans. And you plan a date, first of all. You figure out when you can take off work. And you figure out, you know, when if Cassie's still in college. So you figure out when she doesn't have school and maybe when she has a, a break, a, a spring break or a fall break or whatever. And so we start making all of these plans. Then once we figure out a date, then we have to figure out, okay, you know, where are we going to stay? So we want to get a beach condo. We want to be as close to the beach as possible and so we we start making phone calls and 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 you know finding out rates for rooms and all this kind of stuff and we start making all of these plans and and once we get that reserved then the the next order of business is to to start buying all the necessary things you know we we don't want to bring just one of our normal towels we want to have big beach towels and we have to go get sunblock and we start you know just making all these plans and and then as as the time grows closer and closer to the date that we we decide on the anticipation grows greater and greater, and we're, we're excited. We're going to Florida. I've never been to Florida before. I mean, I'm finally going to get the chance to go see what the beach looks like in Florida, and I'm, I'm so excited, and, and the days get closer and closer, and the anticipation gets, gets more and more and gets greater and greater, and, and we're just so excited. I mean, we're finally getting the opportunity to go to Florida, and, and the night before we leave, we're going to leave early the next morning. It's just I can barely sleep, and we're talking about it and just so excited because our, our mind is so sad on going to Florida. We're so excited about it. And so the morning of, we get up and, and we're so excited. We pack up all our stuff, pack up our suitcases, all of those things, put them in, the, in our vehicle, and we set out. We get on the interstate and we start heading to Florida. And for those of you who don't know my wife that well, she uh, there's something about that when it comes time to start a trip or just drive anywhere that she has to use the restroom. And so, you know, we, uh, we have to stop, you know, just a little ways down the road. But it's okay, okay, we jumped on the interstate on I-10 out of Lafayette, but we're coming up on the Jennings exit. So what we're going to do is we can stop at the Jennings exit. That's not too far outside of, of, of Lafayette, but, but it's okay, okay, because we're going to Florida. We're excited about going to Florida. So we stop in Jennings, and, and we, we let her use the restroom, and I go ahead and get me some coffee because it's really early that morning. We're really excited about it. So we jump back on the jump back in our vehicle, head on down the road, jump on I-10, and so we, we head on down and we're so excited. I mean, it's it's like it's right here. It's so close to us. And then we start to pass the, the Lake Charles uh, coming up on the on the loop and, and passing through Lake Charles, and it's like, oh, will it ever get here? Are we ever gonna get to Florida? I mean, it's just 
this is starting to get aggravating. I just wish we could like speed up and just go 100 so we could just hurry up and get there. And, and finally, we get through Lake Charles and we cross the state line and we're into Texas. And I mean, we're, we're, we're headed that way. And so then we pass through Beaumont and my wife has to stop to use the restroom again. So we stop and I get me some more coffee. And But we're going to Florida. I'm so excited. I cannot wait to go to Florida. It's just that the anticipation is just, it's right there. And so then we pass through, pass through Beaumont, and we start getting close to Houston. And, I mean, it's just it's getting closer and closer. We're going to Florida. How many of you here today were starting to get really aggravated with that story? Starting to wonder, why did this guy get asked to preach? He doesn't even, he's a little bit directionally challenged. You see, my mindset was that I wanted to go to Florida. My mindset was that I had a certain place that I wanted to be, that that's all I could think about. That's all I could think about. That's all my mind could think about. Nothing else. There was no room in my mind except the fact that I, I, I wanted to go to Florida. I wasn't thinking about work. I wasn't thinking about anything else. I wasn't thinking about church. I wasn't thinking. All I, wanted, all I knew was that I wanted to go to Florida. But there was a problem with that. There was a problem with my mindset wanting to go a place, but my direction pointed in a completely different way. When we're born into this world, we're born to lose. We're born into sin, we're shaping in iniquity, but then most of us here today, at some point in your life, found God, and at some point in your life, you had a life-changing experience, and you were born again. And as I said earlier, things were great for a while. Things were awesome, and God was blessing you, and, and then all of a sudden, things started to happen, and the wheels began to began to come off in your, your walk with God and in your life and in your relationship with God. And, and before long, all you could think about was your problems. Words like losing and defeat started to plague your mind to the point that, you, that it's all that you could think about, and it became your mindset. There was no room for anything else. It's all you could think about. All, all the encouraging scriptures and, and all of these things in the Bible seem to be a million miles away. Deuteronomy, uh, uh, 2 Corinthians seemed to be a million miles away. And words like winning and victory had no place in your life and in your mind. But there's this concept called the principle of the path. Which says that it's not your mindset that determines your destination, but it's your direction. It's where your life is pointed. That's what determines ultimately where you will end up. Even though my mindset was, was so dead set on going to Florida, I pointed myself in the wrong direction. I was pointed in a completely different direction, and so that's where I would end up. Well, here's the beauty of this concept, and I, I hope that you can get this here today. When we're born into this world, we're born to lose. But when we have a divine encounter with Jesus Christ, we are born again. We are made into a new creature, and all things become new. Okay, so you say, Marcus, get to the point, okay? You're belaboring the point. What's, get to where you're going. Well, let me tell you the most important thing with this scripture that I believe becomes new. You see, when you're born again, God turns you and points you in a different direction than when you were headed before. He points you toward victory. He points you toward winning. And it's this new direction that determines where you will end up and not your mindset. Some of us have forgotten where God has pointed us, and when you came to God, however many years ago it may have been, you've forgotten where God pointed you to and how he turned your life around. But it's your direction that will determine your destination, not your mindset. Psalms 23 says, he leadeth me down the path of righteousness for his namesake. What are you saying? 
I'm simply saying that it's time that some of us here today look the enemy eyeball to eyeball, face to face, and say that you have gone far enough, devil, that enough is enough. I've taken all that I can take. I'm not, I don't understand why I'm going through the trial and the storm that I'm going through, but all I know is that I'm putting my trust and my faith in God. I know that when I gave my life to God, that he pointed me in a winning direction, and I know that he will see me through. It's time for some of us to curse doubt, curse fear out of your mind. It's, some of us, it's time for some of us to take hold of discouragement and depression and disillusionment and all these things that, that plague our mind and rebuke them out of our mind. Let me tell you something here today. No one said the path would be an easy one. No one said that when God pointed you in a winning direction that it would be easy. Psalms 23 goes on to say, we could all quote it, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So he's leading us down a path of righteousness, but, but wait, there's a valley. There's a valley to go through. It's time for some of us to coordinate our mindset with our direction, with the direction that God has pointed us in, and realize that when we were born again, no matter what we encounter in our new path, our new divine direction that we have been put in, we are born again to win. You are born again in your situation to win. No matter what you go through, no matter what your direction may be and may be pointed in, God has pointed you in a winning direction. It's time for us to get our coordinates right. You know, I don't understand why Mephibosheth went, went through what he went through. I don't have any answers for that. Was he really a bad guy? Probably not. Are any of us a bad guy when we're born? I mean, when you're first born and you're a little kid, I mean, uh, some kids can be a little more rowdy than others, but I uh, won't say any names, but, but are they really bad? No, they're just kids. Mephibosheth was the same way. There are certain questions like the story of Mephibosheth, that are never going to be answered. They were never answered to him, and us reading it today, we're, you're not going to find an answer for why it happened the way it did. It just happened that way. But let me tell you about the beauty of the story of Mephibosheth. And I want to go back in time. I read from 2 Samuel. I want to go to 1 Samuel. And I'm actually going to read. You don't have to put the scripture up. I'm going to read from a different version. I'm going to read from the message version. 1 Samuel chapter 20. This is the beauty of the story of Mephibosheth. And when I read this, it just, it did something to me. It did something to me to encourage me. The scripture setting is here, going back in time, Saul is still king. And he's on a tirade and he's on a rampage wanting to come after David. He knows that David is the anointed one. He knows that David is going to be the successor. And that his bloodline is not going to carry on the throne of Israel. And he's not happy about it at all. And the amazing thing is, though, that Saul's son, Jonathan, was an ally to David. He was a friend to David. He was a best friend to David, actually. And so as much as his father wanted to kill David and wanted to seek to do harm to David, Jonathan was kind of a go-between and was kind of the middleman, but was siding with David and wanted to help protect David. And so the scripture picks up in 1 Samuel. Jonathan and David are meeting. And the Bible says, Come outside, said Jonathan. Let's go to the field. When the two of them were out in the field, Jonathan said, As God, the God of Israel, is my witness, by this time tomorrow I'll get it out of my father how he feels about you. Then I'll know what I learn. May God do his worst to me if I let you down. If my father still intends to kill you, I'll tell you and get you out of here in one piece. And God be with you as he's been with my father. If I make it through this alive... 
continue to be my covenant friend. This is Jonathan talking to David. Continue to be my covenant friend. But if I die, keep the covenant friendship with my family forever. Jonathan asked a favor of David. Jonathan knew what was going to take place. He knew what the will of God was. He was aware of it. Saul lived in denial and, and wanted to deny it, but Jonathan knew. I like to think that Jonathan knew what God's plan was. He understood what was going to take place in Israel. And Jonathan asked David, who he knew was destined to be king, make a covenant friendship. The covenant friendship that we have had, if I live, continue to be my, my friend. I'm asking you that. I'm asking for your mercy. But if I die in battle or, or, or in some other way, I'm asking you, please keep the covenant friendship with my family forever. You see, Mephibosheth, you may not understand why you were born into the situation that you were born into. Things may not have worked out exactly how you wanted them to, and, and if you had to pick a, a certain life, you wouldn't have picked the one that, that you were dealt. You don't understand why it is that you were born to lose, but, but Mephibosheth, if you can just wait just a minute, before you, before you were born and, and before the, the nurse picked you up and dropped you and before you started running and before you, you felt like you were living in exile because you were a direct descendant of a family who hated another family who is now the, the Lord and King over, over Israel, before all of these things, before all these things happened and before your life became turned upside down, Mephibosheth, there was a promise that was made. Before you were even born, there was a promise that was made. And in spite of everything that happened to you from the time you were born, there will come a point in time in your life when your direction is going to be turned. Things may have not seemed to fall into place, and, and things may have seemed to happen that, that just bad, one bad thing right after another. And, but there is going to come a point in time, Mephibosheth, you don't know it yet. You don't realize it yet. It hasn't quite set in. But there's going to come a point in time where your direction is going to be turned. And you will find yourself being welcomed by the king. You will find yourself being welcomed by a king. where, And it's not just a one-time invitation. If we go back to the scripture, the Bible says, So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table over and over and over again. This was not just a one-time offer. Well, come hang out at my house, and, and you know we can be okay, friends, and, and then that's it, and you don't hear from him again. No, Mephibosheth, you are going to be welcome into the king's palace and to dine at the king's table continually over and over and over and over again. I'm telling you here today, if, if you have not tried God, I, I'm telling you today that you need to try God. But if you are here today and you did try God and you have said yes to God so many years ago and things seem to be happening in your life and you can't understand why, let me tell you why you were born again. Acts 2.38 tells us what we have to do to be born again. But Acts 2.39 says, for the promise is unto you and not just to you but to your children. And not just to your children but to anyone who is afar off. It means your co-worker. It means someone who is completely unaware that there's a God that even exists. The promise is unto them. There was a promise that was made before you were born, before your children were born, before anyone that you know was born. There was a promise that you could be born again and that your life and your direction could be turned around to win. Before you were born to lose, there was a promise and it's still available today. As we stand, musicians can come. I was talking with my dad last night, 
It was just he and I talking. The hour was late. And we began to talk about, we get together and we, we share stories, ministerial stories, just you know, things that God is doing in this church, things that God is doing in our church. And we finally both agreed that God has his church, whether it be this church, whether it be Landmark, whether it be whatever church, we're all in this together. God has his church poised for a revival like we've never seen before. Now, I know that's cliched. I know that we've, we've heard that and, you know, you heard it when you were a kid or whatever, but, but it's true. You can see the handiwork of God, as I said. You can, you can see God moving and you can just feel this anticipation. And, and God is setting us up for something awesome. God is setting us up. I, I can I could sit here and tell you story after story of how God is working in Lafayette and how God is working in our, our youth group. We've got, we've got a youth group right now of 20 or 25 kids, and, and probably over half of them have never had any history in church whatsoever. They know nothing about God, but they are hungry, and they are here service after service, Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, youth event after youth event. They're here. They're hungry. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to act. They're having to learn it as they go. That tells me that God is doing something awesome, that God is working and he's starting his, his spirit and the Holy Ghost is starting to, to filter its way through the community and, 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 and through this world and, and God is pouring out his spirit as he said he would. But you know what that means. You know what that means that when, when God starts moving, when he, gets, when he gets his church set up and poised for revival, you know there's going to be obstacles. You know there's going to be barriers. From what I understand, the, the vision and the, the mindset for this church in, in 2012 is going to be to bring it. Whatever it takes, don't matter, don't matter what, don't matter what comes against me, I'm bringing it. I'm going to stand toe-to-toe with the enemy and say, whatever you've got, I got something better. I got something bigger. I got something better. But it's important for us if, if, if you're going to embark on this journey, and I believe that it's God-ordained, But if you're going to to start down this path, it's important for you to understand what I've talked about here today. Because it ain't going to be easy. The revival that is destined for this church and for God's church as a whole is not going to be easy. It's not going to come with a few bumps and bruises and a few trials. The enemy's going to, while y'all are meeting and having a pastoral staff and leaders meeting trying to plan for 2012, you can rest assured the enemy is having a, a, a similar type of meeting with, with all of his staff, and they're trying to come up with some type of counterattack for whatever it is that God has planned. But it's important for us to understand that you may have been born to lose, that, that your situation may seem like a losing effort. It may seem like it's in the fourth quarter and, and, and you're, you're down in the score, but it's important for you to understand that, that before, the time, before time runs out, that you are going to emerge victorious, that you are going to emerge winning because we've already read the back of the book. We know how it ends. We know what our destiny is. We know what our future is. We know what our eternity is. The beauty of serving God is that we can put our, all of our problems and everything in his hands and, and sometimes he brings us through, sometimes he doesn't. I don't understand why that is the way it is. But you know what? You have an eternal destination that is guaranteed. You have an eternal destination that is, that is set in stone. And that's what, we have to, that's what we have to keep in mind. We have to keep in mind here today that as much as God is wanting to do a work in us, as much as God is wanting to use each and every one of you, each and every individual in this place has a part in it, okay? Don't think for a minute that, well, 
they have enough people on staff and they have enough people doing this and doing that, you know, I'll just kind of like coast along. No, no, that is not the mindset that you need to have. If you're going to have a mindset to bring it, you're going to have an integral part in this. You're going to have an integral part in the power of the Holy Ghost that's going to begin to sweep through this community and going to begin to touch lives, but it's up to you. Let me tell you something, and I, I really am closing at this point, but God has really started to, to work in our church, and we've really become community-minded. And, and let me, I just want to drop a little something with you today, something to think about. There are people that are in your world that you are their only chance at God. You may be their only chance to ever see God. The pastoral staff, Brother Murphy, Brother Dave, Brother Merrill, Leaders in this church may never run into some of the people that you rub shoulders with every day. You are their only opportunity. So you know what that tells me? There are people in my world, there are people that I work with that no one else from my church will ever see. That tells me that I have a part in this. That tells me that I have to bring it. I can't just kind of tail along and, and, and watch the others bring it and, and watch everyone else kind of be the trailblazers and, and be the ones that kind of, you know, create the path that God wants us to go down and I kind of tag along. No, I need, to be, I need to also be on the front line of the battle because there are people who are depending on me. There are people who need me. And it's important for us to realize that. It's important for us to take ownership. And what God is wanting to do for each and every one of you. I challenge you here today. I challenge you to take, take the word that God has delivered here today and, and let it encourage you. You may be going through the, the worst trial of your life right now or things may be wonderful. But store it away because I can promise you it's going to be encouraging to you at some point. And it's going to let you have a, a counterpunch when the enemy comes with his punch trying to knock you off the path that God wants you to go down and that God wants this church to go down to have mighty revival. I'm going to ask the church as a whole if we, would, if we would come to the front, if you feel comfortable to. I'm going to ask us all to come down around the front. I believe that God still has something that he wants to do in this place. There was an awesome presence of God that was here, and I believe that God's not finished. He started a work, but he's not quite done. I'm thankful for this opportunity. I'm thankful for this opportunity to be part of one of the most awesome revivals that we've ever seen in our day. We're living in the last days. We're definitely living in the last days of time, but that's not something to be afraid of. It's something to be excited about because as much as there's going to be evil and terrible things that are going on in the world, there's going to be that much greater and awesome things that God is going to accomplish, and he's going to use each and every one of you to do it. So I ask you right now as they begin to sing to lift your hands, to let God touch you right now, to let God minister to you, so that you can leave from this place changed. God, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, that your anointing would touch us right now. I pray that the power of the Holy Ghost would sweep through this place right now, that we would realize, God, that we are destined for something incredible in this place. We are destined for something awesome in this place. And God, I wanna be a part of it. I don't wanna stand along the sideline. I don't wanna just stand idly by and, and watch as everything goes by me, Lord, but I wanna be right in the middle of it. I wanna reach out to every individual that I can. I wanna have a mindset that says that no matter what comes my way, that I'm gonna give everything I have to you, that I'm gonna bring it with every ounce of strength that I have inside of me, God. I am determined 
to bring everything I have to you, Jesus. I refuse to let a stumbling block that the enemy throws into my path cause me to forget, Lord, that I, I am born again to win, that I am born again to be a winner. In Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Worship him right now. Come on, give your heart to God right now. Open yourself up to what God wants to do in this place right now. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus.